There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive Live Talks Careers. So we have two guests in our studio today. We've got Toby Simpson from Gulf Recruitment. Toby, good to have you back. Hello there. How are you? Oh, good, as good. ever. It's September. It's, you know, an exciting time here. I know. Everyone's coming back to work, so everyone is full of the joys of uh, late summer. Yes, indeed. We've also got Yannick Ramsamy, who's an associate at Clyde & Co. Good to have you on the programme, Yannick. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so what we're going to talk about, first of all, on Drive Live Talks Careers this afternoon is this. In May, it was announced here in the UAE that there'll be a 10-year visa, and it's for certain people, specialists and investors. The visas were here to encourage investment here into the country and to cover certain professional categories. So in that light, Toby, uh, when we first found out about it, we didn't know all the detail. The detail's sort of emerging, and this isn't quite in place yet. However... um, you know, this is a big change in Dubai. Lots of people have perhaps thought about it in the past. You come here for a year or two, uh, make some money, progress in your career, and then perhaps move back to where you came from. But there's definitely a change, uh, a sea change in terms of what we're looking at here. There is, yeah. And I think a lot of people, and I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say you're sort of guilty included. I thought I'd be over here for three years make some tax-free cash, obviously save the tax money I would have spent. You know, and, and, and <laughs> How's that never, working out yeah, for yeah, you, Toby? It hasn't really worked brilliantly, I'll be, I'll be totally honest. Um, but I, this 10-year visa thing for me, though, um, I don't think I've never, in all my years of, of recruitment experience, I've never had a situation where someone goes, oh, I'm not sure about moving to the UAE because the visa's only two or three years. Kind of every single one of us takes it for granted that the visa renewal process is just a bit of admin. You have to go yeah. through every two or three years. So the actual 10-year visa for a professional, I don't think that is a particularly big, big pulling factor. However, I can definitely see it from the investor perspective that they want to come over here if you effectively invest over a million dirhams I think it is uh, in a in, in a property you get a 10-year visa and that could be particularly attractive to certain types of investor yeah um I guess Yannick you, you work in the legal profession do you think it would put you off if you thought you could only stay here for a shorter period of time I mean 10 years for many of us thinking about where am I going to live for the next 10 years sounds scary but actually having that option is going to open the door for a lot more people um, it's it's an interesting point. I think it's it's a it's very much a positive because it's about changing perceptions, as you mentioned. So it's not the case that okay, every two years you have to go through this admin process. I think when when you're applying for a visa and you see that ten year term, for for certain professionals in certain sectors, they'll be looking and thinking, well, actually, um, there's there's certainly an opening for me to be here for a long period of time is certainly an opening for me to be making a mark here. And so I think from from the perception angle, um, it's it, it's certainly a good change. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's great for the UAE because um, scientists and technicians who we understand the new 10 year visa will be will be aimed at, um, will be thinking actually businesses are looking to invest in me for that period of time. It's not it's not necessarily just for one year, two year period. So It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I mean, one one important point I'd like to make is that we don't have any information in terms of what the qualifying uh, criteria mm. will be. Um, so it, it, it's, it, it's certainly a case of uh, watch, watching this space. Um, mm. 
unfortunately, it doesn't look like lawyers will, will fall into that 10 year visa bracket. So <laughs> not, I don't know whether that means we're not, we're not regarded as being professional not enough. Not specialised uh, or professional <laughs> enough in anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, hopefully that changes. I mean, I don't, we don't, again, we don't know how much um, these 10-year visas are going to cost either at mm. the moment. But I would imagine from a company perspective, if you can bring someone in and have them on a 10-year visa, as opposed to having to go the, through the rigmarole of renewing somebody's visa and all that drama, which it can be for some mm. people, every two or three years, that's got to be a big advantage and a big pull for companies as well. I've run a business and I've, I've, I've been through the admin nightmares that you face running a business. Yeah. And I've got to say, the visa renewal system wasn't something that gave me sleepless nights or, or, or even much bother at all. The fact is there's wonderful PRO companies mm. over here and they tend to take all that bother off you. So I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's going to have a massive impact on, on uh, you know, on, on people's lives that way. I think it's far more interesting from a, um, a kind of intention perspective mm. from what the UAE is mm. trying to do. Now, we've mentioned the knowledge-based economy, the, 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 you know, the target for Vision 2030, I think it is. Um, and bringing in these sort of individuals, and that's absolutely critical. And that's what we, I think, all of us living here are hoping they are going to, that, that you know, we're going to see this continuing flourishing of Dubai into a much broader non-oil, uh, non-oil economy with, uh, with bigger borders. And it's, 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 it's the package of proposals allowing 100% foreign ownership, which is, mm. again, there's legal ways, legal wrangles of getting around the 100% foreign ownership, even if you're not in a free zone. But it makes things more transparent. It makes it foreign mm. boards far, mm. far more likely to trust in investing over here. And it, it just it, it simplifies processes. And people get, or investors get wary when there's any sort of grey areas mm. or, 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 or things that are more difficult to conceptualise. So this is more of a kind of a sweeping things to more of a normal ongoing perspective and mm. saying this is a long-term place to invest your money and you know grow with the benefits that we have here in Dubai. And as sort of Toby mentioned, Yannick, from a, a legal perspective, if you're a, a big company and you're thinking of coming to the region and now the fact that you can have 100% foreign ownership, it must be a much more attractive proposition. It, it, as, as Toby alluded to, it just creates more confidence um, in the market and you know in, in advance of 2020, um, that that's what all these measures are, you know, aiming uh, a- aiming to facilitate. And I think that the, the ten year visa, as as Toby also mentioned, is is also being will also be introduced in conjunction with with other measures. So, for example, um, if we look at students and graduates, um, there's also been mention of potentially implementing a scheme whereby, after students and graduates have finished their studies here. Uh, they'll be able to continue residing in the UAE for a period of time, whether that's six years or 12 months, in order to give them time um, to find a job. So this 10-year visa forms part of sort of um, a a broader scope of creating confidence in the market, creating or establishing more of a uh, knowledge-based economy in the private sector. I mean, I think when I look at things like this, it's kind of uh, almost in response to the way people have been um, gradually shifting their opinions and the way they come and live and work here over the last years. I mean, when ISA came, certainly everyone was like, I'm staying two, three years max, that's it. And, you know, 15 years later. (laughs) So it's. I think also it's kind of a response to that. People want to be here for longer. They want to work here longer. They want to see it as home. And they want to, you know, particularly for investors – 
it's pretty easy to come and set up a company and to get things going here. And, and in these sectors, particularly the medical sector, I know that the UAE wants to become, you know, world class in the medical sector for medical tourism. And that. so that's what definitely one industry where this is going to be advantageous, I think. Yeah, medical sector, um, anything effective with that knowledge-based economy. So, you know, technical fields, um, scientific research, mm. pharmaceutical research. I think a lot of what I've been seeing is, is um, we've viewed for a long time now foreign direct investments of big foreign companies coming in and effectively putting what is a glorified rep office in the UAE mm. where they can mm. flog mm. their products across the, across the region. So it's a, a regional administrative hub and sales hub for the region. But actually, it's far more important to the economy for in terms of its own sustainability to actually create the value here in the UAE. So it's a wonderful thing to see them encouraging and, and hopefully you know, making capital available for investments into, into these sort of uh, research fields. There's a big push on fintech. I know down in Abu Dhabi, there's uh, you know there, there's a there's a you know a push on medical uh, uh, here in Dubai, but the more that happens, the more we get a broader based economy that is sustainable. We've had uh, a text in. There's no name on this text, but it's in terms of the ten year visa. It says, "I think it will be interesting for expats who are reaching the age of retirement, having lived here their whole career, and who could now stay and live here with their family." And that will really change the landscape, Toby. I would be surprised if you're approaching the age of 60 that you would get a 10-year visa. Uh, you'd probably get it as an investor, as you mm-hmm. can do now. So if you go and buy a, a nice villa mm-hmm. somewhere, you can get that. But I don't think you'll get a working visa alone. It's it's tough now just to get a two-year or three-year visa if, if, if you're, you're approaching that age. retirement mm-hmm. age. So a 10-year visa would be would be a, a, a bit tricky. What's the, norm, what's the norm at the moment? If it, is it 60 or 65? Does it then have to be renewed annually? Is that the way it goes? It's, if you're it's, at retirement age, it's 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 basically discretionary. Um, so there's no there's no hard and fast rule, um, but at at the moment, um, it's it's basically it, it can be it can t- it can be more of a convoluted process, or it can take a bit longer mm-hmm. to get to get a visa when when you're sixty, um, or, or or sixty five. I mean, we've I've I've seen from some of the clients that um, I've been working with that they've had some difficulty and that's why actually a lot a lot of clients in all the in all the sectors have a policy of retirement um uh, around that age because they foresee difficulties you know dealing with the visa so mm-hmm. they try to preempt that um by by helping the employees sort of planning planning in advance what what their next move is rather than being in a situation where you come to your visa expiring and you know you're trying to work out what what the sure. next step is okay. um and just and just the um just in response to that text um I agree with Toby. I think I think it's unlikely that the ten-year visa is something that would apply to uh, people at the age of sixty. I, th- I think it is predominantly focused at um, experts in in particular fields, w- with a view mm. to encouraging them to to come into the region. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's this whole tradition mm. here of pushing, you know, the envelope, making sure we're at the forefront of different fields and hence why they want the experts, not the lawyers. No offence, Yannick. <laughs> 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 um, but we're continuing this conversation on Drive Live Talks Careers. Drive Live Talks Careers. It is Drive Live Talks Careers. It's just gone 25 to 5. You're listening to Drive Live. Two guests in the studio with us today. We've got Toby Simpson from the Gulf Recruitment Group and Yannick Ramsamy, who's an associate of Clyde and Co. We've been talking all about the 10-year investor visa and discussing how that might change, not just for investors, but if you're a specialist, 
Uh, there's quite a few fields that you might qualify for, science, uh, medicine, technology, those kinds of things. And Toby, I mean, this time of year, we say it's September, people are returning and lots of people might be thinking about changing their jobs. And if I was reading this story and I was looking for work, I might be thinking, well, there's going to be an influx of people coming here. Um, is it going to be harder for me to find work? I think actually it's almost the opposite. Um, I think this is far more appealing to the investment community than it is makes a big difference to the employment community. So for me, you're like mm. the result of this, if it goes through, mm-hmm. uh, the result of this is that you're mm. going to see much more growth in smaller venture-driven industries that have access to capital because entrepreneurs are coming over here with their suitcases full of cash. They bought a nice property in Arabian ranches and now they want to do something. So if they have capital, they tend to put it to use in the country they tend to live in. Um, and also larger companies that, that mm. just will love that legal transparencies going forward. So I think it will create employment opportunities if it goes through. I've kind of been – the thing that strikes me about this is that there, there should be a very powerful interest group that isn't wonderfully keen on this idea. Um, sponsors. Yeah. So all the onshore companies, including my company, I had a wonderful sponsor. I had a great relationship with for, for, for 10 years. Um, wonderful guy. But – they have a you know a financial interest in this not really not. going uh, going through, and they're a big sec- section of the population. Um, so I would understand that they would have very significant concerns, and I don't think because they're lovely people, or certainly my sponsor was, that we're going to see a bunch of uh, sponsors, you know, kind of all marching down the Shakeside Road with placards anytime soon. But I'm sure there's a, a fair amount of behind the scenes lobbying, and if there was one change, I'd, I, you know, brainwave. <laughs> if there's one change that uh, I think that could. Would, would be really useful is I would have liked to have seen a lot more from my sponsor. Um, and actually, one of the things that uh, one of the big drives over here is not just to bring capital, but the other thing that makes the market work properly is good governance yeah. and good governance, not just in listed companies, but in all companies. So if you were to get this 100 percent ownership in the UAE, I think it should be a requirement where a national has to sit on your board. This actually happens in Singapore already, so it's a tried and tested situation. Now, as a company director, you're legally responsible for the behavior, effectively, of that company to some extent. So it drives governance into into smaller companies. They have to have a quarterly board meeting. They have to sign up to various governance standards. And it also means there's still an ongoing role for the excellent, very, uh, you know, sort of educated and very well, you know, very useful people that have been sponsors all their life but haven't taken an active role in the companies they sponsor. And those people have a lot of skills and expertise to offer, Toby. Hugely. My yeah. guy was just brilliant. So, you know, sorted out a fair few problems with us, gave us a lot of guidance, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, Not saying what sort of problems. But, and yeah. Yannick, do you think, you, you know, we'll attract the right kind of investors to the region then with this move? Because, um, you know, there is obviously now lots of people thinking, well, Dubai possibly wasn't an option for me before, but now it's much easier for me to set up my small or even large business. I think I think it will be easier to answer that question once we know what what the qualifying criteria is. Um, and again, I, I go back to it. Um, it could potentially be more attractive for investors, as Toby has said. But obviously, one of the key points is how much do they have to invest mm. in order to be able to qualify for the visa? Because that could automatically eliminate a group of potential investors if it's at a certain benchmark. Um, so I think I think it's. It's, it's very difficult to say, mm. um, unfortunately, until until we have that clarification. But um, certainly, I mean, it, if if it's the case that you have a certain amount of capital and and you have a ten, you have the right to reside here and have a business uh, for ten years, 
um, you know, that could you know create a wealth wealth of opportunities um, in terms of whether that's going to appeal to a particular sector. Um, I, I think I think it will boil down to what the qualifying criteria is. And and Toby, uh, we had the text in before about um, someone querying how this ten year visa might affect people approaching retirement. The other angle uh, we touched upon this briefly is, of course, that the students, the the special um, students, if you're particularly um, great at a particular subject. This is likely to apply to you too. And what must that mean for companies here who are wanting to retain talent or retract it in the first place? Ooh, um, well, one of the things we don't really have a lot of here mm. is that whole kind of graduate thing that I was certainly used to in London. Yeah. Um, because there is universities here and there are great universities here doing good work, but I don't think there's that 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 kind of that mass. So if you are, I think one of the things, coming from London, one of the things that London really benefited from um, when other companies were, when other countries were kind of far more restrictive about their educational practices, is we were welcoming students from all around the world, mm. and they were getting their first taste of work in London. So when I was working in the in, in, in the you know the capital of the UK, there was a hotbed of you know really talented international competition, all fighting, all working hard, all creating a level of kind of discipline, a level of excellence. It was a you know a, a great place to cut your teeth. So I, I, I'm fully supportive of, uh, of of student visas over here. I don't know the exact uh, details of how it works. I think mm. it's, you, it's grade you know. A students, I think it is that, that that will be qualified for this. So they've mm. not really made it clear yet how that would apply. Perhaps if you particularly excel at a subject, um, but I think it, if you're setting up a company here and you know that there's a lot of young people with the talent that you require and they're going to stay here. It gives you more options. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd certainly agree with that. I think, um, again, it, it affects perception for companies because once you have this mechanism for, or a mechanism that basically makes it easier for students to, to live and work here, um, they can start implementing formal programmes that that Toby's alluded to for foreign workers in advance. So, for example... Um, depending on how the visa will work in practice, you could have a situation whereby a company could potentially enter into a, a contract with a student which says that you know if you if you achieve a degree at this level, we'll put you on a graduate recruitment program um, once once you've graduated. And at, at, at the moment, unless unless you have a clear visa arrangement in place, companies can't make that commitment. Mm. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see perhaps in the next five or ten years how you know the introduction of this visa would have an impact on that there's also the option as well if you are um a, a parent and your child completes university whether here or elsewhere that you can continue to uh, keep them as residents so that's a real attractive proposition i don't know for example if you have one child that's 14 and still in their schooling and your other child has finished university, they can now come back to the UAE or they will be able to uh, and live with you. And I think that opens the options for families even more so, Toby, because it's not this, well, my eldest can't come back here without having to leave and renew their visa all the time. So this is an option to keep families that have maybe made a life here for a bit longer. No, I totally agree. And actually, graduate recruitment is really difficult because it's it's one of the most volatile sectors of, of recruitment what you find is as soon as you have a downturn all mm. graduate recruitment stops uh, and as soon as you, but normal recruitment can kind of continue and as soon as you have an upturn the floodgates are opened again and if you happen to have graduated in a year where you've uh, you've you know where, where things are not so rosy in the outside world then um 
yeah, it can be really difficult. So that would be a huge support to families. The thing I'm thinking about is, is legislators are here to make to to you know make sure there's opportunity for an employment growth for uh, Emiratis. So although it might seem counterintuitive to allow a flood of you know highly qualified overseas uh, overseas students in to to go through universities here, actually what it does is it creates more demand in the academic sector, the tertiary academic sector, the university sector. That it, so effectively you'll get more growth of that particular sector. You'll get more uh, you'll get more variety in the sort of courses you can you can go to, and you'll get bigger names coming here, uh, and more you know you know more of a more of a, a talent pool of university professors and and professionals. So you can actually have a very useful uh, a useful kind of tertiary education sector here, which will benefit nationals enormously, particularly if we're aiming at a knowledge based economy. And Yannick, I was going to ask you, with say you have a company that's taking on specialists and you can give them a 10-year visa, how would you see employment contracts needing to change or be altered to take this into consideration? I mean, at the moment, you, you have people and they can be on um, a limited contract for their two, three years, and then you keep them or you, re, uh, you resign them or, or they move on. And, you know, for employees that then suddenly are going to two or three years into the 10 years might go, well, actually, I, I fancy going somewhere else. <laughs> How is that all going to be affected? That, that's, that, that, that's a really good question. Um, and I was, I was thinking about this this morning. One of the, one of the key things that um, would be helpful to clarify is whether this 10-year visa is actually linked to the employer. Mm. Um, because it, it would be interesting if you had a situation whereby you have to stay with one employer for 10 years. Uh, particularly when um, the idea behind you know, a knowledge-based economy is creating flexibility and giving individuals the opportunity to gain experience in a particular area, for example, with one company and then, and then move somewhere else. Um, again, unfortunately, we, we just we don't know at the moment how the 10-year visa will work and, and whether it will, it will be linked to the employer. In, in the event that it is, um, my, my advice for companies would be... Um, have have an unlimited term in, in employment contract that's uh, terminable on notice. So then, so then they have the flexibility of not having to contract with an individual for ten years. Mm. Um, so, not much has to necessarily change. I think um, in a lot of sectors, partic- particularly in the professional sector, uh, most contracts are unlimited lim- and give each party the option to terminate on two, two or three months' notice. But it's 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 a really interesting point. You know how, how exactly will the, the visa sponsorship be linked? Mm. I mean, if you you can stay here for ten years, but you might move into several different jobs, mm. whose responsibility is the visa to travel around yep. those places? Yep, exactly. You know, that's going to be an interesting question to look at going forward. I guess when more details emerge, we'll find out in terms of what will happen there. We're talking. Uh, Careers on Drive Live today. Two guests in the studio, Toby Simpson from Gulf Recruitment and Yannick Ramsamy, who's an associate at Clyde & Co. This was a big story that we looked at from the ARN News Centre yesterday. Uh, there was a YouGov omnibus report just to remind people uh, about what was in that report. The report revealed that about 73% of respondents were in favour of uh, domestic helpers keeping their passports rather than surrendering it to their employers, which is good news. The breakdown that was quite interesting with this, Yannick, though, was that 77% of men agreed that that, uh, employees should keep their passports and 65% of women believed that employees should keep their passports. Now, this this was a survey about domestic helpers, Yannick, but generally speaking, um, 
there was perhaps a time where it was considered okay to keep an employee's passport regardless of their job role. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the key position is that it's not it's not permissible, um, and um, it's important for employers to, to to be to bear in mind that it's not something that's legal and that you can legally do. And um, if employees and individuals are aware of that, they can raise a, a legitimate complaint mm. um, with with the UAE authorities and with the Ministry of Amortisation and Human Resources, which is responsible for dealing with um, em- employee disputes or workers' disputes. And just touching on the point of domestic workers, this this is something that uh, the Ministry of Emeritization and Human Resources, I'm, I'm going to refer to them as the Ministry of Labour, the formal name, because it's just, it's just easier to say. Yeah. But um, uh, the Ministry of Labour has, uh, has a specific employment contract, for example, for domestic workers and has specific regulations in place. And that's specifically... Um, to make it clear that you know there are minimum obligations that you have to comply with, um, so you know it, it it is something that they are paying attention to and 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 are looking at. So it's just imp- it's just important to uh, bear that in mind. Yeah, and I think it's you know worth reminding this goes beyond sometimes domestic workers Mm. Emma we've had Mm. people text in the show before and it was just a couple of weeks ago we had one woman text in she worked for a large company which will remain unnamed and her and several other members of staff they worked on reception things like that they didn't have their passports and I think you know it's important to to reiterate that it is against the law to do that completely um completely agree and um, if if employees and individuals are are aware of that, they they can raise a legitimate complaint, and companies companies need to be aware that they could be subject to fines and penalties, um, because it is a complaint that the Ministry of Labour will will take seriously. Um, and I think I think the the idea of 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 holding passports is is a historical thing, mm. um, but that's that's changed now. And I actually think um, companies it's more and more and companies are certainly aware that it's not a practice they they can legally adopt. I mean, when I when I first came here, it was the norm. Mm. My my passport was held by the company I was working for. And uh, what's interesting also in this report, sir, a quarter of uh, people felt that domestic workers shouldn't be allowed to keep the passports. The main concern was that they'd quit and ab- abscond. And I guess some employers think that as well. But surely the owner should be on the employer. If you've got happy staff and a happy work environment, why would your employers want to run away to start off with. I, I agree. It doesn't create a positive message no. if you're withholding holding the passport or or any element of trust. I mean, it, it it's it's a simple thing really. As uh, as you've said, it's it's keep keeping your staff happy um, and giving them a little bit of love goes goes a very very long way. It does. I mean. Toby, I know uh, obviously your company would never do such a practice in terms of that, but people can get into situations where they don't um, know where to turn. Though obviously there is legal redress, but whether it's about a passport or anything else, it can be quite hard for for an employee to come to yeah someone senior and say I'm having real problems, though, can't it? Yeah, and I think particularly touching on what we just talked about with with domestic workers, yeah. I, I actually believe, and I'm, I'm no expert in this, not being the lawyer, but uh, actually the legal framework in the UAE that provides protection to uh, domestic workers and to and to labourers is actually really good. Mm. Um, where the real challenge is, and it's a really hard one to fix, is because these people are vulnerable and they don't really often have the knowledge of where they should go to address mm. these difficulties. They don't want to offend their employees. The, the real challenge is actually applying those laws and mm. giving them access to 
legal representation to information that's one of the that's one of the biggest challenges that that's out there and that's a really really uh, really difficult one to fix okay we're going to change um the direction for a second now. We've had a text that's come in from V. It says, I've just completed my probation period and unexpectedly it was unsuccessful as the company wants to eliminate my position. Do they need to give me one week's notice or can they let me go immediately? Now, Yannick, where does this person stand then in terms of a probation period? Ultimately, it depends on the wording of the employment contract. So if the employment contract says... Um, in a probation period clause that they have that an, a notice period applies, then the company would have to comply with that notice period. But if no notice period is specified, then um, so long as they've given notice within that probation period, they can terminate immediately. Okay, we've had another question in for you as well. Yannick from Torite says, Hi, uh, can a law graduate from outside the UAE get an opportunity in the law firms here? Are there any additional certifications required for them? Now, uh, Yannick, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that your law degree was gathered outside of the UAE, judging by your accent, but I could be wrong. How did you guess? <laughs> it's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah. So is it possible, I mean, it is possible, of course, for, for a law graduate mm. outside the UAE to get an opportunity in the law firms here. Um, and there must be a lot of similarities, particularly between UK law. Uh, yes, yes, no, that's right. So I uh, graduated in London um, at King's College. Um, so I'm I'm evidence that, you know, it is, it is, it is possible. Um, it is very much possible. It, well, uh, there are a lot of international um, law firms in the UAE that offer specific graduate training programs um, or vacation schemes. Clyde & Co offer a vacation scheme um, ev- every year, for example. So um, as, if, if you're studying at a university, um, it is, it is um, a simple case of completing an application and going through an interview and assessment process um, and uh, provided you um, go through that process and, and pass the requirements, um, you'll be given the opportunity to complete um, an internship. And from, from a legal perspective, um, uh, the Free Zone Authorities and, and the Ministry of Labour will, will, will permit law, law graduates from... From well, they allow them to complete internships so so long as they're contacted in advance in, in order to get approval. Um, so, it, short answer to the question is it's it, it's certainly possible. And if you go on international law firm websites, it's all it's it's all easily explained. So you didn't have to do any conversion essentially from your law degree, or is there some additional training that's required? Um, so if you if you it, it depends where you're studying. So yeah. I I qualified um, in the UK as a solicitor, so I didn't have to complete any conversion in order to be able to work um, in in the UAE. But I have to regularly attend um, training sessions mm. um, in order to remain registered as 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 a legal consultant. Um, so there's on the job. Training, training if you like yeah. but it depends which jurisdiction you're you're coming from okay and uh, that's all we've got time for on drive live talks careers today big thank you to our two guests yannick aramsami who's an associate clyde and co you just heard there thanks for joining us thank you very much pleasure and also to toby simpson from gulf recruitment toby it's been great as ever thank you there's just so much more to hear download our podcast at dubai 103.com